Welcome to the Sons of Thunder. I'm your permanent host, and with me is provisional host. <laughs> Go ahead and tell, tell him your name, provisional. I'm uh, provisional set of case, and uh, I'm Parker set of case. I am co-host equal with Joel. Some in... some hosts are more equal than others. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Joel set of case, and I fit into that category. Mm. Um, so Park, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right, man. I just uh, I was browsing Facebook while you left us in the waiting room for however five minutes. Well, before we were live, the world's on fire right now. How so? Holy cow! Like literally, actually on fire. Like the, the whole, whole world, east, the whole east coast. Like if you like if you zoom world. out, if you zoom out of a, like if you zoom out into outer space, you'd see look at it, Earth from a. You, it looked like a giant flaming marshmallow. Just the sun, yeah, it's crazy, <laughs> flaming marshmallow. <laughs> That's terrible. There's actually uh, people losing property, and hopefully, not I know alive. there's there's uh, one brother, Kofi. I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name, but he's a, a yeah. I saw brother, that runs in a lot of the house. same circles we do. Yeah, um, there's a GoFundMe going for him. I highly recommend uh, people check that out. His name is K O F I. Uh, if you follow me on Facebook, you can see it, and on Twitter as well. I okay. shared his his family's GoFundMe because it's horrible. He lost his house. He lost all of his books. Kofi's English, right? from england i don't know is he i think he might be i think when he when he came over the first time like half of his books got lost in shipping and so there's a gofundme to help him you know recover his books and then if that wasn't bad it seems like <laughs> was it different was it different titles every time yeah <laughs> uh That's yeah yeah um but i guess now i don't know if he lost his books or not i don't know i know his house got lost yeah yeah his house burned down it's really really tragic and um are they saying this is the one that uh, it's from the gender reveal party? Is, is that, that this one? I thought that was in California. Well, it's all over California, up into Oregon, and now in like Las Vegas and stuff. It's all the same fire? Man, I don't know. It's it's crazy. I don't know if it's like one continuous fire or the wind blows it, you know? Right. I think it's been man. pretty dry out there. It's really horrible, man. Yeah, crazy. Um, so the world's on fire. Okay, so what did you just want to bring that up? Just... Just thought that is there is there is is, is there a, a segue touch. there? No, there's no segue. Just <laughs> just just point things out. Okay, yep. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Um, well, let me let me let me attempt to craft that into a segue. So, um, oh, I I asked you how things are going, and you, uh, so and you went dark. A... You went dark. <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, is, how's are you looking for? How's, how's Julie? Like how's school? Oh, I don't well, put that out there. I don't put out. Uh, no, no, no. That's my personal. Your stuff. wife's name is Julie. Come on, man! You just doxed me. I doxed you. That feels I mean, good. I I can see why people dox. That, yeah. that was fun. You're gonna go say something crazy, and then they're gonna come for me and my wife, my precious tiny little wife. <laughs> uh, this is good. Listen, why do you think I'm moving to um to South, where is that South again? Dakota, South Dakota. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, if I were you, I would definitely say this western suburb that you're moving to. What? Who says? Who says? <laughs> Where do you live? Point it out <laughs> on the map. Yeah, pull up a map for us. Pull up a map. Uh, I'll put a big skull no, across. I'm not. I'm not worried. It's a gun-free zone where I live. <laughs> so and it's right at the entrance. So I'm not worried if someone's seeing that and coming in and doing yeah. all sorts of terrible damage. I'm hoping that Chicago makes crime illegal soon because that would I'm be. Just, I'm getting sick of it. It's there's enough of it, you know. It's like make it illegal. It'll yeah. go away. Put up yeah. a sticker. They need right. to uh, be precise when they do that, though. They do because that'll really cut through the fog that is mm. created 
through uncertainty. Yep. It all comes back. Okay. So we're talking today about rule number 10 in this little book here, 12 Rules for Life, which um, before we dig into this, let me just say a quick piece of housekeeping here. Um, I am going to be representing the Think Institute at the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference in Moscow, Idaho on October 1 through 3 this year. So be sure to check me out there. I'll have a booth and we're also going to be doing a little uh, lunch event there as well. And then I'm also going to be at the Cruciform Conference on October, I, I want to say 23 and 24, but don't don't quote me on that. I'll get that um, more precise. Okay, precise of you. I know, yeah. I know. Um, but um, yes, I'm going to be at the Cruciform Conference. Same thing. I'll have a booth. Yep, October 23rd and 24th. And I'll also be speaking a breakout, uh, teaching a breakout session there. Did I tell you that? I'm going to be doing that? No. Okay, that's not in Indianapolis. So uh, to all the Parkers out there who um, are listening, <laughs> come great. on out and learn something you've, from You've really made this a timeless podcast here by, by adding in all these specific specific dates. Oh, no, that's good because then people will listen and I'll go, oh, yeah, that was the conference that changed my life. I remember No, that. they won't do that. Yeah, I don't – for that same reason, I don't listen to like a Ben Shapiro podcast if I've missed it that day because it's no, like right. it's so time-bound. It's like, nah, sorry, it's gone. Yeah. No, I don't listen to Ben Shapiro. Um, well, I'll say this. I don't confirm or deny whether I listen to Ben Shapiro because I like to keep my political views very ambiguous and imprecise yeah. so I don't offend all of the lefties. Yeah. You love, you actually love drama though, I think. Well, I just said I didn't want to offend all the lefties. <laughs> so like that was kind of uh, like I was being very specific while yeah. pretending to be general. Um, I know I don't love drama. I just don't fear conflict the way that some do. And then they allow the um, the problem that, that remains unspoken to grow like a dragon under the bed. Yeah. Um, so let's get into that and let's talk about um, this chapter. I got to tell you, man, we're talking about rule 10 and this this is a very this is one of those chapters that's very prescient it's it's very foreshadowing yeah. i know this was written in 2018 or 2017 when he when it first came out yeah um i forget which one was it, it came out in 2018 but 2018, he, I mean, he probably sorry. wrote it in 2017 yeah. yeah 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 see i was being imprecise and i had to clarify so um but this whole idea of imprecision in the way we speak yeah and how our words affect our life, how the, the way that we speak and the things that we choose to speak about in our lives actually affect the course of our life and the amount of pain and discomfort we have to go through in life Yeah, and how that's a direct result of our precision in our speech. Dude, we are living in a very imprecise time. And I'm, I'm talking specifically about um, in the church. A sort of big C church. We live in a time that is very, very imprecise. So you might have, for example, you might have a, a pastor um, who leans right, who's cons uh, politically, who's religiously conservative. Okay, uh, bi biblical, um, you know, holding to orthodox biblical Christianity. Okay, um, in his private life, abhors socialism and uh, wokeness and critical theory and everything else. But when he gets up on Sunday. And he believes now. This is not just some sort of ideologue, because we warned about that last week. But he's this is biblical conviction that he has. And then on Sunday, he knows that a good portion of his congregation is woke or, or um, you know, leftward leaning. 
So this he gets up. This sounds uh, very specific, actually. Does it? Is this, do you have someone in mind here? What's going on? Well, I'm just saying you see a lot of this. Do you, okay. And 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 I'm saying this because I'm based out of Chicago. If I were in Nebraska, I think it'd be the the, the other way around. Someone who is um, has biblical convictions about not making your country into an idol or not chasing down every conspiracy theory, but knows that a large portion of his congregation is really into the Q conspiracy theories, Q and on. And so, so these two pastors, one in Chicago, one in Nebraska, they get up and they both give an identical sermon on the dangers of division or the dangers of believing too strongly in political ideology. And Yes, that's all well and good, but the goal was not to be biblically admonishing or exhorting. The goal was to basically um, cover their own backsides and not to offend their congregation, especially those the, the louder, more um, argumentative members of his congregation. So what that does is it, it edifies precisely nobody. Because it doesn't call sin out. It doesn't call idolatry what it is. It doesn't call unbiblical thinking what it is. And it doesn't provide any solutions. And if, listen, feel free to push back on this. But um, I'm a I'm a big fan of clarity, of of uh, precision. And I, I that being said, I've been the imprecise guy. Maybe that's why I'm going so hard on it right now. But I've been the imprecise guy, and I think it's I think it's it's cowardice, and I think that it doesn't help anybody. And that's why I think that this this chapter is very, very helpful, which we shall see in a few minutes. But please, what do you think about what I just said? Because you didn't you didn't uh, laugh along, nor did you interrupt. So now I just think that you're I just, just I, it's so it's so um, specific, man. I don't I don't really care as I'm much. speaking very precisely. It's it's such a like how many what about it's a cultural phenomenon that's that's happening. I'd much rather balloon it back up and say this happens. This happens all the time. This happens in our politics. This happens in school. It's it's uh, not not a dog whistle, right? You don't have a secret thing going on underneath. It's more like a Rorschach test, right? You're saying you're speaking vague enough so that every side gets to hear what they want. And hopefully you're speaking in a way that you're hoping everyone will be happy. Look, I spoke vague enough so that you can hear what you wanted to hear and you want to yeah. hear what you're... Yeah. I yeah, just don't, that, I don't well, that, to make it like, so specifically about preachers well my point is this um what what is what's that bible verse about the um the indistinct bugle um or, or okay yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's this thing uh yeah if a bugle okay so this is first corinthians 14 8 for if the bugle produces an indistinct sound who will prepare himself for battle so the reason why i mentioned preachers is because preachers are the ones rallying the troops on Sunday morning. You know, preachers are the ones calling the the troops to get ready for battle. And that battle is waged the other six days of the week out in the in the workplace, in the home. I'm not talking about like getting in arguments. I'm talking about the the battle of applying scripture to life mm -hmm. in the face of extreme opposition from the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so that's why I mentioned pastors specifically. And and you know me, dude. I mean, I work. I work specifically with churches. Yeah. I'm a former pastor. So for me, I put a lot of my energy into thinking about the ills that plague the pulpit and then the the remedies for them. What you think that's too specific though? I don't know, dude. I hate talking about pastors. I go to school with all pastors and you hate them? 
I I don't I want to talk I want to get precise right I want to go let's go philosophy let's go theology yeah. let's go specifics and I'm just very sick of uh, the the pastoral perspective I guess what do you mean what do you mean so in class we're in I'm in a lot of like very deep upper level systematic classes mm -hmm. and so we're talking about systematic theology we're talking about providence we're talking about um divine foreknowledge free will determinism and people want to say well you know from a pastoral perspective i'm just not sure how this is relevant it's like dude what are you talking about oh, I see. and it's this punt and so i'm just i don't really care to talk about pastors i guess sorry that's i i i get that i'm talking specifically about preaching though i'm not i i don't know what they have in mind when they say that i'm not going to try to read their thoughts based yeah. on even what you know especially just based on what you just said but yeah well let's let's go in on what is peterson talking about we can go to the to the foundational aspect and then we can yeah. apply it back to life well he starts with this illustration about the laptop and he says he says he, he really he asks the question why is your laptop going mm -hmm. to be obsolete in a very short period of time and um and, and mine as well and and everybody's laptop in the next five years everybody's going to get rid of their laptops even if they log on to the internet and perform all their functions yeah. perfectly properly even and, even more better or even better than that maybe he he i was thinking cell phones because it's even quicker oh, with cell phones, yeah. right two yeah. years tops yeah but but yeah same thing i guess your cell phone wears down a little bit more maybe than your than your laptop does either way that's that's what he's getting at is that this perfectly good thing still works to yeah. you it's just it's garbage now yeah and the reason why is because he says you're there's so much more to your computer or your cell phone to use your example than you can actually see than than you can perceive there is this whole network literally a network because we're talking about the internet yeah that is connecting your device to all the other devices and there's all this infrastructure there's towers and there's underground cables and there's other servers elsewhere yeah. and, and there's the electricity of it too right to, you have to plug it in charge it that's another yeah. network it's, it has to connect to yeah and what he says is look um all that is is changing and progressing and your laptop is is not a, a distinct thing it's more like the leaf on a tree and that leaf if you pluck that leaf off the leaf will last for a day or two but then eventually it'll shrivel up wither and die mm -hmm. that's kind of like what your your laptop is um if you know as the system progresses and changes and technology advances your laptop becomes like that leaf that's been plucked off in order to just wither and die and and that but it's because of the substructures and the superstructures that make your laptop able to function in the first place and i i, I think um well what would you say he's getting at with that I, I think what he's getting at is um there's yeah it's all complex and everything like that but really it's a tool for you to use and when it's not a useful tool to you anymore even though it still can perform its function it loses its value because you're using it as a tool and i think the the connection he's making to words is that words are tools. Oh, no, I didn't get that at all. Okay. <laughs> I got something totally different. Yeah, what were you thinking? What I was thinking, uh, what I thought he was saying, and maybe he needs to be more precise, or, or we're just dummies, or I am, um, is that he's alluding to the fact that there's all this uh, invisible um, uh, scaffolding going on behind the scenes 
um, so it's more than just what you can see. And so your um, your your laptop. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's right. Because he goes into the usefulness of everything. Right. Because yes, that's right. Okay. No. 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 Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. I, so, I actually want to synthesize what we well, both just said. So okay. So that's the exact. He's making the connection to our. Well, and I don't know how much this connects, right? But it, I think this is what he's doing. He's making the connection to our sense perception that yes, we yes. see not in fine grain detail, which yeah. I think he's kind of wrong, man. I think we see pretty pretty fine grain detail. But what he means is there's a lot to reality, yeah. and we don't see the atoms of it. Okay, that makes perfect sense that we wouldn't mm -hmm. have that kind of apparatus. Um, we don't always see all the, the ladybugs and the trees and stuff like that. We see enough to navigate for life because yeah. that's what it's meant for. Right, and so right. even though we don't see all the 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 this laptop is a modern day miracle, everything mm -hmm. going on, we use it as a tool. Yeah, for life. That that no, that's good. That's good. So so I agree with that. Where I would split off from what you said earlier is you said words are a tool. I would say more like our very perception of the world is is uh, designed such that we will see things in terms of their usefulness. Yeah, and I and that's what he's getting at. I think with language is that yes, yes, right. So in order to think, we have to be able to be precise and speak about things. And I think the connection he so uh, you're familiar with with transcendental idea uh, idealism, transcendental idealism, Kant's theory. Of, yeah, yeah. I would this this has Kant. This whole chapter has Kant written. Yeah. So he go on, he, go on. he very much falls into transcendental idealism. And and uh, for those who aren't familiar, that's um, Kant tried to. Uh, mediate. He tried to be a mediating position between the rationalists and the empiricists. The rationalists said, uh, "You know, our senses can confuse us. You put a stick in the river; it looks like it's curved, but it's actually not. You have to use a reason to say, obviously, it's still a straight stick." Yeah. So, you know, even our senses can deceive us, but reason is what gives us knowledge. Whereas the empiricists say that our sense perception is what gives us knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so, then Immanuel Kant came through. He became. He started off as a rationalist. Read Hume, woke him from his dogmatic slumbers, and he had this mediating position where he said, concepts without percepts are empty, and percepts without concepts are blind. So you have these concepts in your head, that's that's uh, a nod to the rationalists, but you don't get to just sit in your room and reason all day. You have to go out and experience life in order to fill those concepts. Mm -hmm. But if you're an empiricist, you don't have any concepts that you bring to experience, then it's blind. You got no categories for things. Yeah. So Kant's saying we have these both, and that's what that's what Peterson's getting at, where he says, you know, we have this apparatus that helps us see the world not as like omniscient, like we talked uh, yesterday, but as a human being in this situated location. So right. we see a book and it's not just like the cover and it's black. It's a book. And we reach out and even our hand kind of shapes to grab the book. So yeah. we live in this world of, of life. We talked about earlier about Lebensvelt, the, the life world. Mm. So that's what I think Peterson's getting at. Um, in it, he says that he would say we've been evolved to uh, orient to the world in the specific way that we do, and then f because of that, because we don't see everything, we need to be precise in our words in order to get at truth and meaning and things that are important. Yes, and so so whereas you said earlier, words are tools. Kind of comparing that to the laptop, I think um, what what he says is actually that words are how we structure our reality and yeah. 
Yeah, tools, and, tools for structuring reality. Yeah, I, I guess so. I guess so. I, I don't I guess mean so. that you can just throw them off or anything like that. I mean, yeah. that's what we use to to shape and form and think. Right, but but our very our very um, the point about the laptop is that we we view we view the laptop as something for us to use. We don't. We're totally. Um, we're totally ignorant or even like willfully ignorant of all those networks and superstructures going on behind the scenes because they're not relevant to us. And right. it's the same way he, the illustration that he uses about the car, you know, you sit in your car and it basically becomes an extension of your person yeah. so that when someone, some pedestrian walks by and bangs on your hood with his hand, you get like physically, you feel like he just like banged on your torso. Yeah. You know, you get mad. Yeah. And, this and is this is great. This is great. Uh, it reminds me of uh, growing up. I used to poke Og with a stick, you know. And you go like, "Well, I'm not poking you," but yeah. it's like I I was poking. It was this is an extent. This kind right. of extension of my body. Right, right. Um, for for those who don't know, Og is uh, my little sister, Parker's older sister, who still to this day has an irrational fear of uh, being poked. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but the um, but so the idea is. We live in this world with in, really an infinite amount of complexity, and how do we make sense of it? And Peterson, really, as he proceeds, he talks about there are essentially two different ways to go about doing that. There's the imprecise way, and then there's the precise way. The imprecise way doesn't really acknowledge what's going on in front of you. It sort of tries to create order. Really, it's not even really a, a creating order. I'm taking some liberties here, Park. But it's really more about avoiding the pain of the chaos. So, uh, you Peterson know, does say, though, he does he talks say about creating order out of chaos with your words. Oh, with your words, but I'm talking about, you know, through avoidance, through imprecision, you sort of hope to hide from. Oh, yeah, totally. The, 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 the danger that might yeah. be. You know, that might if be I don't, there, right. If I don't acknowledge this, that it doesn't exist. You put your head in the sand, right? Right. Yeah. And so he uses this example. He tells the story about uh, the little boy Billy Bixby, who there's a dragon on his bed, and it's the size of a cat. And he goes to his mom, and he says, "There's a dragon in my bed," and she goes, "Now dragons don't exist." And the dragon grows, and the mom continues to acknowledge or to to not acknowledge the dragon and the dragon gets bigger and bigger until it walks off with the entire family's house and the mom dad and little billy are riding on top of this dragon and finally billy turns to his mom and goes mom there's a real dragon you know get, get serious mom and at at the moment of that acknowledgement the dragon starts to shrink and shrink and shrink and it gets back down to the size of a cat and the mom goes you know why do you think that happened why do you think it grew and B little billy bixby goes maybe it just wanted to be noticed yeah and that's metaphorical for the problems in our life that if we choose to ignore them through not speaking about them which is the same as not not dealing with them sort of trying to let them slip back into the the irrelevant chaos of uh, or, or uh, uh complexity of life and saying no, no, no. This this emotional problem, this familiar problem, familial problem doesn't really exist. It's not relevant. Um, you're just creating an opportunity for it to grow. But once you speak about it specifically, you yeah. call it out. That's why I mentioned preachers earlier because preachers have that unique ability to be able to call something out specifically and apply scripture to it. Once you can do that, now you're actually it's painful, but it, it, it's the first step in making the problem go away. Yeah, and and so I think this is something men and women do, but it, it might be something that that men are able to do 
better um, because we compartmentalize, I think, more easily, right? You, you, you've heard the old saying that like men are like a waffle and women are like spaghetti. Yeah. And you have these little compartments. And um, I, I think that's probably true. I think it's probably by design from God so that we could go out and, you know, kill a pig and come home and then go play with your kid. Yeah. Um, but so we 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 do that we just if i'm I'm not gonna i'm not gonna go to the doctor yeah i got swollen glands or whatever it'll probably just go away i'm not gonna think about it is that you know is that real uh, i'm not gonna think about that <laughs> that's we disgusting just, man yeah you feel a lump you feel something like that you feel, whatever uh i gotta i gotta cut on my toe it's starting to look green but it'll come back down i'm, I'm pretty sure this happened before i'm pretty I sure i got a sore throat but it's probably not coronavirus i'm not gonna right. it. Go yeah it's all right you know i'll just wear my mask maybe or fine. something like that so fine people yeah and in in the back of your head, when you do think about it, it's scary because it's like, well, it could be this, right, could be that, could be this. Right. But Peterson's like, once you put a name on it, once you actually go to the doctor and he puts a name on it, then all those other, uh, the, the myriad of fears collapse down to just one. Now you just got one to worry about. And maybe it's pretty bad, but it's not as bad as that one plus all the other ones. And so he's saying putting a name on things and how important it is. Uh, for life, that you actually do acknowledge something. If there's a, a yeah. problem between you and your wife, and you don't you don't really talk about it, whatever it is, but you sit down at counseling, and the counselor helps you think through and put a name on it. We're struggling with a lack of com communication, whatever it is. Maybe even more precise than that. Yeah. But now you have a name on it, and now you have to actually face it. Right. But at least that plus seventeen other things. Right. Or or it's not that plus an infinite number of possible things. You yeah. know, um, because until you define, okay, there, look, I've got, I've got five big problems I have to deal with. At least it's five and not, well, I don't know. It could be anywhere between five and a hundred, right. you know, and, and, and until you become precise, you just, you're dealing with the emotional baggage, even if it's sort of like a low level on the back burner, um, you're still dealing with the, that, that nagging sensation it could be up to a hundred problems or more because right. I don't know. I've never defined it. And yeah. not only that, but I don't know how serious each one is. Let's say each one has a, a, a maximum intensity of 10 on the intensity scale. So now I'm dealing with like, like, uh, a you know, possibly a, a hundred problems, all at maximum level, 10 discomfort and pain in my life. And so I'm just going to, I can't possibly think about that. So I'm going to just let that go into the background of my mind. I'm not going to deal with it. And that sort of helps a little bit, but that anxiety does build up over time. It's like having your pot on the slow cooker um, mm. or, you know, the, you turn the heat down low. Eventually the sauce is going to boil, even if it takes a lot longer. You know what I'm saying? It's still, yeah. so, so once you can, as you said, put a name on it, put a diagnosis on it. Now you can figure out, well, no, it's not actually a hundred problems. It's only five. And only one of them is at level 10. Actually, the other two are at, you know, eight, seven, and three. And yeah. the, the one that's at three, I don't even really have to worry about until, you know, that one I can deal with later or I can deal with that quickly. And suddenly it's like, yeah, this is going to be painful dealing with these things in the short term. I think Peterson calls it like one quick, sharp pain mm -hmm. as opposed to the dull pain spread out over time of ignoring the problem. Yeah. Well, and so this is interesting because Peterson is a pragmatist. He's all about the, you know, the practical, what's yeah. good for life. He, he goes into a little bit of the ontology of words, uh, where they come from, why they're so important. Yeah. And so what's kind of, it, it's interesting because he gets into continental and uh, analytic philosophy, the yeah. 
um, which is which is awesome. Which so, analytic tends to be very precise, logical, orderly. Continental tends to be more uh, ambiguous, more stories. Yeah, and different ideas. And even to be a little bit more charitable to Continental, they're more person focused. They're on the world as we see the world as seen from the person. Whereas the analytic wants to get past the first person to the objective to the third person right. and be more, let's be more precise. We can get away from all this phenomena of human experience. I ah, get that out of here. Mm -hmm. So what's what I thought was really interesting um, and sad about Peterson. He, he brings in the logos, right? And he talks about uh, in, in places. Uh, I listened to a couple of videos of him talking about rule 10 and he talks about how free speech is, worshipped in the western culture and that's good because you know god created the world through speech and it's like well yeah dude we believe that you don't actually believe that though right and so then it just becomes an idol of free speech because it's not you're not worshiping god you're worshiping a capacity that god gave us and really didn't even give us in every society but one society it seems like right like america so um i thought that was a little bit disappointing but I, I wanted to talk about a christian understanding of the ontology of speech hmm. you know words because yeah. we do believe that in genesis 1 in the beginning the first thing that we hear about god is that he creates yeah genesis 1 1 god creates but then genesis 1 3 how did he do it god speaks yeah god said let there be light you're right right you know and then uh, a great a great great verse is psalm 33 9 it says for he spoke and it came into being yeah yeah, he commanded and it came into existence. And that's huge, dude. Like, so God creates with words. He spoke and it happened. And uh, I think another Psalm talks about God being the star breather. Mm -hmm. he, like, he like breathed out the stars. It's this really poetic way of saying that he spoke stars into existence. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and when Jesus returns, um, uh, Psalm 33, 6. Let's see. That might be the same one. Yeah. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. Yeah. So pretty cool. And crazy, when, man. I love that. So yeah. great. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to destroy his enemies with the breath of his mouth. Right. You know, uh, the sharp sword that uh, is going to emerge from his mouth, the double-edged sword, which I believe is his word. And, um, and then, you know, the best commentary on... Genesis chapter one, hmm. first verse one is John chapter one, verse one. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, was, in the, yeah. in the beginning, God, uh, in the beginning was the word. Okay. And the word was with God and the word was God. And then right by the time you get to verse three, it says through him, all things were made and without him, not anything was made that has been made. So the, the speech of Genesis one one you know chapter one is personified and absolutized in this the 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 logos which is the second person of the trinity which turns out to be the incarnate son of god jesus christ yeah so jesus himself is is the living embodiment of the speech of god now that just so we're not going to get all people don't think we're spouting heresy like jesus is is personal he is a person he's the second person of the trinity um so he's not and he's not a creation of god the way that our words are creation of us but there's something analogous there in the sense that like you know jesus said out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks right. so your words are as close to you as your heart is and it's like well my heart that's really who i am yes right. exactly 
So, so Jesus is God. Jesus is also the son of God. In some sense, he's begotten by the father. Um, and that sense is analogous in some way to the way that our words are. I don't want to get, I don't want to get too deep into that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in, in John one, right there, it also says Jesus is the light of all men. You know, this this logos is the, the, the word, uh, is the light of all men. And there's something about us imaging God being able to use speech whereas no other animals can use speech. Dolphins right. use communication, other animals do you know, tail flaps and they can communicate, stuff like that. But none of them use speech to pick out uh, with precision the way that we do. And God didn't take any other, any other animal but the image-bearing animal and tell him to put a name on all the other animals. You know, so God speaks, we see God is a speaking God. He's yeah. not just, he, primarily, he didn't reveal himself as the prime mover originally. Right. He wasn't the, the first cause. He wasn't the, the necessary being. Uh, I think a lot of those things are true, mm-hmm. but he revealed himself as a revealing God. That's how he chose to first reveal himself. Yeah. And then he makes us in his image. He breathes you know, into, our, uh, into Adam's nostrils, and then he brings all these animals in front of him to, to perform taxonomy, the science of, of naming animals, of naming things. And he says, what do you want to call this? What do you want to call this? What do you, yeah. and, and the whole time he's teaching him that none of these animals can be a, a helper fit for you. But it's just fantastic to see that words map onto reality for us because yeah. they're made, reality and us, we're both made by a God who speaks. Well, and, and think about the implications of that too. That means that this, this is you know where I think Peterson gets this right. The use of language and words to structure our reality is, and I don't mean it like in an ontological sense, but but yeah, yeah, we're we're not structuring it right. We're finding the structure that that another mind put into reality. Yes, and but for our own minds, we are drawing distinctions and categories, and it's the only way to to sanely make sense of this world. Yep. And so, and when you're wrong, it's because you're not your internal categories aren't matching up to the category God spoke into existence. Right. So when people say gender is just a social construct, it's like, well, no, you're using your words. I'm just using an example because that's a popular thing nowadays. Um, You're using your words to describe reality inaccurately. Now, if you want to say, if you want to like gender, that's a word that corresponds to something. Okay. Social construct. That's, that means something. So, so far, so good. You're using your words correctly because there are such things as social constructs there is such a thing as gender but you're putting the two of them together in a way that now it doesn't correspond to the state of affairs that's out there so we're not unlimited in our ability and our right to be able to structure reality we do still have to correspond to reality as well and what i wanted to get at was um the the fact that we need to do that and and are able to do that like to, to bring order out of the complexity of the world, out of the, the potential chaos of the world, using our words. The fact that we can do that is not a condition of the fall, of the fallen world. It's not like when Adam sinned, a lot of things happened to creation when Adam sinned, mm. but it's yeah. not like the world now suddenly became this complex place for us to make sense out of. And now we have to use our language to structure things because if we don't, it'll go out of control. No, because before Adam ever sinned, God gave him the responsibility to name the animals. So it's like, you can imagine Adam looking around the mountain uh, where, where Eden was and looking around and going, man, there's all these animals. Like, 
what, what, first of all, what's an animal? I don't even like, there's just, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's just all these other things out there and there's some of them are green and they've got leaves, I guess what's a leaf. And some of them have hooves. I don't know what a hoof is, but then, um, God says, um, God, no, God had already given, uh, placed things into categories. There's the sea creatures. Yeah. There's the birds. Each according to their kinds. Right. right. So he's setting up, yes. or, he's ordering, the formless void, right? He's yes. making it good. Yes. And 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 so God has put categories out there, but now he gives Adam the opportunity to use his language to function within those categories and to name the, the beasts so that the Adam can can function because God has also given Adam the responsibility to be fruitful and multiply and okay. to subdue the earth. Well, how am I going to subdue this this field of uh experience unless I first assign names to the different things I'm going to be subduing. Otherwise yeah. it's like, how do I, how do I refer to that thing I subdued last time so that I, I can interact with it again in a similar way. And and those are concepts. So he's developing concepts. That's what we, we call concepts. Mm -hmm. And so you have this concept of a tree. And so you don't have to, each time you see a tree, analyze it further. No, that's a tree. That's a tree. And that's how you can navigate throughout life. And you can see with depth and different colors and, uh, without that, we all you have is this just bundle of stuff. You, without categories and without concepts, you don't have thought. Right, right, but you, right. You don't have those kind of thoughts, however, without language. Yes. And without yes. someone teaching you, and which is an argument I'm, I'm working on. I don't know if I want to fully go into it here, but yeah, um, just so cool how important language is. I used to hate language because I yeah. thought philosophers got all bogged down in language philosophy in the, in the yeah. 20th century and those guys are idiots and but dude it's so important and it's so important for us because it's how god reveals himself it's how he speaks to us it's what he made us to do and to glorify him with our speech it's how we are different than the animals it's it's mm -hmm. probably the most prominent way you know like we can speak and they can't well yeah especially when you uh, when you factor in that our speech reveals what's in our hearts mm -hmm. and you know biblically speaking the heart is not just you know my feelings it's the the heart is the seat of the will and of the thinking and so speech is the conduit between the core of our inner being and the outer world around us speech is how we process what's going on in here and what's going on out there speech yeah. is like the link and um so speech uh, and, and our words is a very um a very powerful thing and you know i'm i'm thinking too of as we were talking earlier i was thinking about the gadarene demoniac mm -hmm. and you know this is the guy who had a legion of demons legion. inside of him yep so jesus was was telling the demons to come out and the guy was throwing a fit and then and then jesus goes what is your name and he goes legion for we are many and then jesus casts out the demon now i'm not i'm not trying to draw out this principle of we have to name the demons or whatever um but it is interesting that jesus in a in a way that's you know very reminiscent of adam jesus being the last adam jesus names the um the creature or has the creature named and then exercises dominion over it yeah and casts out the demons into the pigs the pigs go and kill themselves because they realize it's better to be dead than to be possessed by a bunch of demons yeah but um but uh, it's it's just interesting to see how Jesus uses speech. Now, Jesus does this all, all the time in his ministry. Like when he calms the sea, he says, peace, be still, mm -hmm. you know. But 
But all after, of this after he asked the storm what his name was. Yeah, no. And that's uh, why we name hurricanes today. <laughs> yeah. Don't say that because my kids will think you're serious. Yeah. Um no, but but all of this, and again, that's why I said I'm not trying to draw out this principle or whatever. Well, that, but, that principle is drawn out by Christians all the time today. Right. So right. it is important that you said that. We that's need why to, I said it. We need that's to right, right. Because what, what people will say to be more precise here, they'll say, You need to speak life over why are you speaking death over me, bro? Don't be speaking death over my Okay, my now, don't, now don't you're don't getting into speak life. word faith. Well, yeah, it's word of faith, but it, it gets it gets those guys are wild, and most people can say like, okay, dude, name it and claim it, guys. Okay, there's some people who are trapped in that, and I pray for deliverance for them. I, they do have mega churches, uh, though, right? But there's also other people downstream who aren't, I would say, as loony, who are just like, you know, yeah, there's the power of words. God spoke uh, in into uh, he spoke creation into being, and so that means that words are powerful. And it's like, yes, words are absolutely powerful, right? But you don't just get to go out and say stuff. You know, right. you know, and, and that's going to make things happen. Yes, right. you can do stuff with words. We want to talk about speech act theory. You, I now pronounce you husband and wife anytime. Mm -hmm. We've both done that. It's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Like, I, I made that happen with words. Yeah. That's that's something that's a illocution, uh, illocutionary act that I did that with the words. They are powerful. Yeah. But there's like this weird overly spiritualizing aspect that we do that a lot of Christians do where they just don't speak negatively or it's going to cause things to happen. And right. it's like, I think God causes things to happen and maybe he's, he's teaching you a lesson for whatever reason. I don't know, but it's not the word going out into the atmosphere somehow being woo woo and, and stirring things up. We're not God like that. We right. Do things the way God does. Right. And it, and it brings up um, in Proverbs. I know you and I both love Proverbs. Um, which you know probably me a little bit more, but I was I was going to say that, but I thought be humble, mate. Let him fall for that. So I wanted to be very precise, we'll, very we'll, precise. We'll yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't care about what the world thinks. I only care about the Lord. Good. So, um, like a so this is Proverbs twenty six two. Like a sparrow in its flitting, like a swallow in its flying. A curse that is causeless does not alight. In other words, if you if if someone says something, screw you, you know. And and you're like living right. You're like with the Lord and 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 whatnot. Let's say let's say that words did have that kind of power. You do see in Scripture blessings and curses, things like that, actually having real effective power. For example, I just was re I'm doing the to the word uh, Bible reading plan, and I, we're 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 uh, we're just talking about Noah or reading about Noah today, and Noah curses his son Canaan or his grandson, Canaan. And sure enough, Canaan is super cursed when you read the rest of scripture. Now there is redemption there. There's the Syrophoenician woman who Jesus saves and things like that. But um, all, all that being but there's said- an eight, there's an agent behind it, behind the yes, curse. Because, it's not because, the words just doing it. Oh, these words right. are me. Who's cursing me right now? Right. You know, someone's yeah. sending positive thoughts and I'm feeling like- Yeah, my vibes. Yeah. Uh, God, God is behind it. And so- an undeserved curse will not take effect. Right. So words are powerful, but they're not powerful in the way we think of like right. magical incantations exactly. and Harry Potter exactly. you know, stuff. Words yeah. are powerful because they, um, well, to kind of go with what Jordan Peterson says, that's how we order the world. That's how, so if I walk around all day going, you know, everyone but me is an idiot, um, I that doesn't make everyone around me an idiot or something like that. Yeah. 
it instead is going to puff me up with arrogance because I'm, I'm hearing myself say this. I'm thinking of myself and others in this way. And I'm going to treat people in an arrogant, puffed yeah. up, pompous way. There's, there's that aspect of it. There's also the aspect of calling good evil and evil good. Okay. And so you're, you're, you are corrupting people's concepts that they have for what is good and what is bad. You're using yeah. words and if the whole societies do this. And so in this society, people go, well, you know, if there's this universal moral law, how come this society can do this? Well, because in that society, they've corrupted the concept of good and evil pertaining to that exact sin. And so in some societies, way easier to lie. In this society, it's way easier to be dis, uh, disobedient to your parents. You know, you do that, try that in a Middle Eastern context. You know, it doesn't fly because they that part of their conscience isn't seared. That part of their concepts hasn't been, uh, that, that concept of being obedient to your parent hasn't been corrupted through through deed and uh, through word. And so it's words are also important it's so you don't delude yourself, like you said, so that you're not deluding others through calling good and, and bad evil, um, good, evil, and evil, bad, evil, good. See, I'm not being precise. And then also God says you're gonna be held to account for every word that you ever say. And so, yes, they are yep. important. Yes, they're powerful. Um, Peterson's going with the practical application that if you want a better life, you'll speak with precision. With precision. Mm -hmm. And in there's so we're talking theological, we're talking philosophical, but like practically speaking, you will have a better life. Yes. If you speak with precision intentionally, yeah. you know, if you work at that. Well, and scripture is very precise. So when you go to a passage like first Kings seven, now this is when Solomon is making the, the temple. Okay. And, uh, you, you read the, th these are all the passages that we like to skip over or, or skim because it's like, oh man. Okay. He made the hall of pillars. It's length was 50 cubits and it's breadth 30 cubits. There was a porch in front with pillars and a canopy in front of them. And he made the hall of the throne where he was to pronounce judgment, even the hall of judgment. It was finished with cedar from floor to the rafters. And it gives these very specific measurements or elsewhere. Like when Ezekiel sees the spiritual temple, which I believe is more of a metaphor for the, the church and the new covenant era. Um, but it's still very specific. Everything is mentioned uh, to, the, to these precise details. And then you've got the new Jerusalem in Revelation. So you've got old covenant, new covenant, and then the eternal state of, of um, you know, the new Jerusalem. And it's measured. And each of the different, um, it doesn't just say like, there were, you know, foundations and there were walls and it was high and it was wide. It says like, you know, it's, it's height was whatever, 12,000 stadia. That's, that's not right, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. And then like the 12 foundations were each a different type of stone and it's all very precise. So, um, as you're reading, you can get a very clear picture of exactly what the author is speaking about. Now I might not know what lapis lazuli looks like or barrel. I don't know what those stones look like, but I could look them up. Mm -hmm. I could, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't know where you're going now. Where, okay. What's the point what, in bringing up those specific? What, what I'm, what I'm getting at is that scripture itself is, is breathed out by God. And yeah. when God wants to get a point across, he is more than capable of being very, very specific, very precise and at communicating exactly what he wants us to understand. And so, uh, you know, we don't have a God who just speaks like the Oracle of Delphi and uh, sort of, you know, chirps and mutters and moans. And we have to sort of try to um, 
we have to sort of try to discern a meaning from it. Some people treat scripture as if it's that way, though. Some people go, well, there's a million interpretations to every... I had a, a, an atheist comment that to me on Facebook the other day. There are literally 1,000 interpretations for every verse of the Bible. So, you know, the you can't use the Bible to prove things. And it's like, no, scripture is very specific when it needs to be, very precise. God is precise when he wants to get a point across. And we, as his image bearers, when it, when there's something important to communicate, when there's when there's a, an important concept that we have to yeah. grasp, we can't um, we are not being more godly when we speak with imprecision and uh, word fog. We're actually yeah. being more like God when we're specific and um, and and clear. Yeah. So one thing that just came up, just popped in my head as we're talking, is there. So God is, like you said, He's precise when He wants to be precise. Mm -hmm. Other times He leaves things more vague uh, or ambiguous. Right? There's a difference between and. Am ambiguity is between alternatives uh vagueness is that there's just you're not really sure what what is uh being spoken about and so i wonder if if instead of saying what peterson says about always being precise if if there's some kind of fittingness uh component to it be as precise as the situation calls for i wonder if, if wisdom okay. would drive it to to that so if your wife says what's wrong what do you like my dress well we want to we want to speak truth or at least not lie mm -hmm. right uh, that's uh, one of Peterson's earlier points. So yeah. if we say, you know, um, it's not my favorite, but I think you look good in it. If you actually think that, saying that, well, well, why isn't it your favorite? Do you need to be so precise that you're hurting her feelings, right? So w the level of precision called right. for uh, needs to be fitting to the situation and needs to take into account what's the most important thing going on. Is it just raw precision that you're right. just a robot analyzing? I don't think Peterson would say that at all. No. Right? But but I, I think there is a fittingness component to what does the situation call for? What do you think about that? Is that well, uh, I, I I think I think you have to be careful because you want to be motivated by love, not fear. Not fear of offending your mm -hmm. let me say this, not fear of getting the wrong reaction or or um you know making your wife upset like not fear not fear but like in love you don't want to unnecessarily hurt her but at the same time look peterson brings up the example by the way we have a comment here from from uh, one of our viewers and uh, and she is a female so she can speak to this i don't know if she's married but maybe she can comment and uh let us know uh, if she's speaking from experience um i'll put that up in just a second but um but peterson brings up the example of let's say your spouse has a really annoying laugh like a giddy laugh that sounds like a horse or a donkey or whatever and it's like like okay it might bug you but you love her others don't implicitly love her unconditionally and you can spare her from the ignominy of like awkward social uh interactions by just mentioning something to her or vice versa she could mention it to him you know what i'm saying like like yeah if you're and, husband, in that, and in that case it would be as helpful it'd be much more helpful to be precise yes doesn't think that you're you're being coy and you're really just masking your own yes. you know but saying like here's specifically here's what i mean and touching it you know with a pin yes yes this isn't yes that's right because look you can say this look i think you're beautiful you you know I love you in this this and the other thing, um, 
for this particular reason, you know, this is why I take issue with this because uh, whatever. I mean, you can, I'm, I'm getting distracted because, so this is a, a comment from Lindsay. Um, I'm going to put that, she's got a couple comments, but uh, Lindsay Mendenwalt, what she says is be honest about the dress. And um, she responded to my, uh, my request about whether she was married. And here's what she says. Okay, I'm gonna pull this up. She says, yes, I am married. If you aren't honest about the dress and they go out in public, that will be even worse. You can help her by speaking the truth. Yeah, so I didn't say don't tell her about the dress. I said the, the amount of precision is gonna be- Now you were mealy mouth. No, I, w I was very clear when I said- now You were like, you were like, the last thing I ever want to do is yeah. offend my wife even a little bit because I'm scared of her. The and, level um, of so precision for precision's sake is dumb. Happy wife, happy life. I think that's what yeah. you said. That you, that's literally you, man. That is no. you, not me. That's not in you. any way, shape, yeah. or form. Yeah. No. Julie's going to laugh when she hears this one. But um, Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. I I literally mock that the, the idea. That's great. That's okay. Happy wife, but I don't. That's not me. Cognitive dissonance is a real thing. It's all no. right. You're you're the most conflict averse person that I've ever heard of in my entire life. So even if I let's say, let's just say this, even if I were like that, which I'm not, I would still be. Let's say this. Let's say this. The Lord knows how much better I am than you. <laughs> yeah, it's very humble. What what I'm saying is your intentions will drive your precision. So if you're just trying to be a, if you're taking Peterson as just speak precisely and your whole life will be better, and I need to speak with this crazy level of robotic precision and everything, right. it's, it's going to mess up your relationships because you're going to be, you know, here's what I don't like about your dress and here's the specifics and there's a thread loose and it does this and this and this and this and this right, and this. Right, right. Like that is overbearing. That's right. because your intention should drive uh, what, what, are, what do you need to convey here and what level of precision does this situation warrant? Right, 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 right. And it really does. Look, we're Christians. So we understand that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And God is going to judge our words because of that reality. He, he, he will make us, we will give an account for every idle word we speak because of how our words reflect what's in our hearts. So, um, you know, it's not like, oh, I, I you know, I, I slipped up and I said, uh, you know, I'm going to worship glad instead of god and you know god's gonna hold me accountable because you i messed to, you prayed to god or you typed it in <laughs> yeah, it yeah. and then all of a sudden that prayer is directed off to a, <laughs> some, some some random idol god like some deity some uh, some, some some dude demon. god so, <laughs> he's like what the heck why why is god all mad at me today i don't understand yeah, i'm not wait what is it's oh. like i'm receiving prayer from anyone <laughs> or, or or what if this happens to glad all the time where he's like Oh no, like there's a rain cloud right above <laughs> only my head. Are people praying to me yeah. again by accident? Right. Okay. Um, but uh, but really what's in our hearts is really what matters. So if we're being imprecise and using language as a way of obfuscating and a way of hiding because we're afraid yeah. or because or we're trying to protect some kind of precious, precious platform that we have, and we've got all this precious, beautiful influence. And, and I just know that God wants me to keep this influence so I can make so much uh, impact for the kingdom. And if I speak precisely, and if I call out this sin, then I might lose my precious, precious influence. And all of my, my listeners who, um, who really need me 
to influence them, they will turn on me and then I won't be able to tell them about the gospel 15 years from now uh, when I finally get around to actually talking about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if you are using your words to protect yourself out of fear as opposed to out of love to protect others, that's not good. That's, that yeah. is sinful. I feel like I got to defend the mealy mouth guy you're going at though. I'm not, who do you think I'm going? I'm not, I don't have anybody in mind. No, no, I just, oh, actually, general, no, that's not true. That's in not general, true. I'm saying, I do have somebody in, mind. In, in general, I'm saying, um, okay, so, so for me, I've been, I've many. Well, let me mind. put myself on the line here. I work for a campus ministry. There's certain things that I will say to my disciples, the guys who I, I disciple, mm -hmm. uh, that I'm not going to say here live because it'd be dumb. It wouldn't be wise. And it, for it, example. Could, it could end, yeah. It could really end up messing with my ability to do discipleship and evangelism on college campuses. Yeah. So if, if someone's doing that, I don't think I'm being mealy mouth. I don't think I'm trying to hide. I think I'm being wise yeah. and saying this is not, yeah, I'm not trying to ruin my personal ministry. If someone's doing that, yeah. that's different than someone who who is you know bartering in influence and who wants to build up a whole platform. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to defend myself. I'm saying like, I don't want to speak in general. Just let's put, I'll just use myself as an example. Um, so basically if you're doing what I do, what I'm doing, you're totally fine. And uh, if you're not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Did you read the proverb of the day today? No, I didn't. Okay. So I, I told you earlier that I love Proverbs more than you, uh, but Proverbs 10, 19 says, because, you know, as we record this today, it's the 10th. Do you keep on making this so bound by dates, man? No one's going to listen to it. People listen to it. Not, not, it's, it's been an hour, uh, minute, an wait, hour. Wait a second, minute, wait a second. 2.33 PM. Wait a minute, uh, wait a minute. Do you think that someone's going to listen? We've, we've been going for like an hour. Do you think someone's going to listen an hour they're, in and they're going to go, wait, when was this recorded? Yeah, that's when? what I would do. No. Delete. I want to. I'm going to delete the fact that timeless. I. I'm going to forget that I ever listened to this. The last right. hour is stricken yep. from the record. Okay, here's what it says: When there are many words, sin is unavoidable. But the one who controls his lips is prudent. Park, I think that's what you're describing. You're not talking about being mealy mouthed and using weasel words, right? Like saying one thing to actually mean another, um, or 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 you know pumping these words out like a fog machine into a crowded auditorium to sort of make everything hazy. You're not doing that. You're being judicious with the words that you say. And I think that's a very important distinction to make. I'm actually really glad you brought it up. Well, and that's, that's, that's called protecting people out of love. And, and it's also called wisdom. So a lot of people, tons and tons of people are listening live right now on Facebook. But this also means um, not going to Facebook with your opinions on the latest controversy that just happened 30 seconds ago. I need to get my opinion out there right now. I need to be yeah. precise about it. Dude. I have to be a thought leader. Like it's, it's bonkers. It's really bonkers, man. And, uh, so just, just a quick, sorry, a quick aside, but we're uh, in class. Uh, we're reading, um, grand, grant Osborne's hermeneutical spiral. spiral. So grant, grant Osborne's such a, a good godly dude went on to be with the Lord professor mm -hmm. here at Trinity hermeneutics is all about, uh, you know, proper interpretation of the text. Yeah. And so he, he says, look, the Bible is perspicuous, right? It's clear. I understanding you can read it, mm -hmm. but what makes us think that you can just pick up the Bible and, and just completely understand it without a preacher, without church, without community, without family, without. So there's like this, 
this guy in an island kind of scenario where you just in you or Bible washes up and yeah, you could I think that you could read that and you could understand uh, the gospel, right? Yeah. But there are principles of hermeneutics that you need to learn if you want to understand the tricky stuff. If you want to learn how to be a good reader, he's yeah. like, well, what makes you think you can just pick this up and be a perfect reader and know all the cultural ins and outs? That's the same thing with with us uh, and our culture. What makes us think that we have the proper equipment to be able to make a judicious, judicious uh, judgment on everything that we see such that we can just put it out on Facebook right now? Yeah, so, yeah. Just, just all that to say, like you, we don't know as much as we think we know, mm -hmm. and a lot of times, it's wise to just shut up, especially Amen. if you can't speak with precision on something. You're not able to, or you need some time to think about it. So, yeah. I think it's 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 another uh, limiting concept on speaking with precision that sometimes you need to shut up. Yeah, no, that that's a really good point. And you know what some people try to do, what I've seen like on Twitter, for example, is some controversy will will come out. Like, do you remember the um, the MAGA hat wearing uh, Catholic school kid who uh, there was that picture that's, that was snapped of him smiling, smir smirking smugly at the... Yeah, the Covington kid. Covington, Covington yeah. child. What's it, what was his name? I don't Co know. I guess Bill his name's out there now. I feel weird talking about a kid. Putting his name well, out there. I mean, look, he, he spoke at the Republican. I, mean, I, I don't know his name. I don't know his name. Kyle. Okay. Kyle Covington. Like, yeah. No, it's always. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so um, when that when that whole thing first happened, and of course the first, um, the 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 popular interpretation of it was, here's this smug MAGA hat wearing Trump supporting white kid, who is um, Nick mocking Sand Nick Sandman. My my neighbor just uh, commented that his name Nick Nick Sandman. Yes, that's yeah. right. That's Sandman. Right. Nick Sandman. Um, <laughs> is that how you pronounce it? Sandman. I, I don't know. I just thought it'd be fun. Okay, so uh, so Nick Nick the Sandman. Nick Sandman was Sandman. Uh, he yeah. Uh, so anyway, so these these evangelical thought leaders, you know, had to pounce on this kid because they all had to show. Listen, I don't identify with this kid. Yes, I'm white. Yes. I'm a Christian and this kid's, you know, goes to a Catholic school. And I just, I don't want you guys all to think, you know, you guys world to think that I'm racist. So I'm going to address this so that, you know, I'm not racist, but I can't speak too specifically because there haven't actually been any details. So you would get, and I'm thinking of one evangelical thought leader in particular, who this, this individual tweeted something out with no reference to the actual kid to Sandman, but was like, um, the 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 sheer smugness reeks of the vomit of hell or something like that and you read it and you know you know what this person's talking about but there's no details it's just like this person just wanted to get on record condemning yeah. what appears to be something bad but but able to retract it like well yeah you know i wasn't i never mentioned sandman at all in fact i was talking about a uh, stone man uh <laughs> you know bill stone man yeah and it's like but everyone the thing is everyone knew exactly what this individual meant yeah and once the details came out where sandman wasn't really as culpable as everybody thought there's no walking that back we all knew what you meant so hiding an ambiguity didn't help anybody then and it's not going to help you later on when it turns yeah. out you didn't have the details. So yeah, shut up. Yeah. And with, more and I mean words, that in love, I mean that with, with more words came, you know, more precision and a new 
contextualization of that thing. So it, it went from a smug little jerk to an awkward kind of embarrassed kid. Yeah. Same picture. Yeah. You're right. just interpreting it completely different, right? He's just right. this like, mm -hmm, okay, I don't know what's going yeah. on. Instead of like, mm, I'm a colonizer, you know, like <laughs> completely <laughs> right. different interpretation based on right. picking out the ask like more we needed more precision there yeah yeah yeah, yeah and and listen when i say shut up uh, my kids are going to get mad at me if they hear me say that because i'm not there we're not supposed to say that in my house but i'm the number one i'm not, I'm, I'm not in your house i'm going to say it all all i want kids your uncle yeah we know you love to we, we know you love to transgress the social norms of language and swear and curse and yeah um just just sit, sit in that. <laughs> All right. um, okay, okay. Be very precise and wrap this up here. All I'm trying to say is this. When it comes to learning to keep your mouth shut and to be more precise, like I'm preaching to myself big time because that is that is a lesson that I've had to learn many times. I'm still learning it. And um, I thought this was a coded message for your kids. I thought you were just, they need to shut up because I need they, to sleep. Is that not what <laughs> you weren't? Being, you weren't speaking in vague. Random. Like, what a very random. Uh, what's that? A subtweet? Is that is that what's called when you tweet and you're you're being ambiguous? Uh, so, yeah, yeah. You don't mention the person by name, but like I thought you were subtweeting your kids by telling. <laughs> no, uh, I. Uh, unlike some people, I love my kids. Yeah, I don't love mine. Subtweeting. See, <laughs> and then the guilty person just knows that it's talking that it's about them. Yeah. Oh, oh, I don't love my kids. Like shoot. Um, well, that is like the Rorschach or the, if the, if the shoe fits kind of thing. Right. Yeah. 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 We should, we should, we should do more of that. You know, um, uh, I think someone, that's literally the opposite of what we talked about this whole time. <laughs> someone needs to hear this today. Someone needs to hear this. You're on the yeah. wrong path. You know it and you need to repent mm. and then just wait for the repentant tweets to come people you weren't even thinking of or okay. the angry ones right i'm not repentant for that what do you think yeah 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 how dare you judge me for that very specific thing that i did yeah um no so so ambiguity is bad okay we got a couple of comments uh to talk about here real quick and uh, we have to do this fast okay so pretend that um pretend that we can answer questions quickly okay lindsay mendenwell says this mendenwell this is why we need to speak out against progressive christianity um, so she's being very specific, Lindsay, you're, you're dragging this conversation into the, um, the place where it, it, it probably should go, but which we are reluctant to go because this is going to be a, uh, uh, a field of tar pits for us to get bogged down in, but, but it, it is a good point. So let's bring it up. This is why we need to speak out against progressive Christianity. Their words corrupt the Bible. I agree with Peterson that we need to be intentionally precise so our message isn't lost. Parker, your thoughts? Uh, I, I actually, you know, what is progressive Christianity? What do we what do we mean by that? Is it? Well, you like, have to go back and watch it, the interview I did on Tuesday. I interviewed. Is it um, mainline? Is it mainline Protestantism? Protestantism? Is third, it liberal Catholicism? Is it? You know, there's uh, a lot of there's a lot of that going on. Yeah, progressive Christianity is sort of like. It's it's like the stepchild of Protestant liberalism. So uh, what's the op what's the opposite? Is it re regressive Christianity? No, it's biblical uh, historic Christianity, Orthodox yeah. Christianity. So, but I think I think that you need to call out 
it's maybe you can call it specifics and say Christianity that's like this, right? And and yes, we need to use tokens and shorthands because you can't go in on all the points right away. Right. You need to put a name on stuff. And look, if you don't fit in this name, then we're not talking about you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I mean I agree with that. I think that we need to we need to speak out against regressive as well uh, because this is where I live now, where I have to speak out against both sides. Someone can just as easily. Maybe not just easily. Someone can easily also corrupt the words of the Bible by being overly literalistic uh, when it's not meant to do that. No, it says a seven-headed beast. Right. There's going to be a seven-headed right. beast. Right. Right. And and they can. So that's you know that's a a legit thing. Those are our dispensational brothers. We love them. But I'm talking even even further back. You can you can do people who would say they're I'm a conservative Christian. And they're blending America with the nation of Israel, right? I stand for the flag. I kneel for the cross. Right. Yeah. So I agree with, I, I just didn't want to only uh, sound like I'm, you know, those, those progressives is a real problem. I, I think anyone who's not biblically faithful Amen. is the Amen. problem. Amen. I, you, dude, we've talked about this many times. You know, I live in progresso land. Right. And um, and most of the people that you are going to a- interact with who are going to be really like, <laughs> oh, who get all excited about that comment, and I got to go, hey, just like she she's not saying you're off the uh, right here either, guy. Right, right, right. Absolutely right. No, if it's unbiblical, we do need to call it out, and right. we do need to be precise. This is what creeds are about. This is what creeds and confessions do. Yeah, is they specifically address um, you know heresies, okay. so that you can come along and uh, and dump on them with your. Your NCT friends. Yeah, great. <laughs> what was that? You're so proud of that. You're so proud of that comment. Oh, now oh. you're so about creeds and confessions. Like, I, I thought those were the... Okay, were the uh, yeah, like the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, yeah. the the uh, Third London Baptist Confession of Faith, which I have yet to write. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay, we got one more. Let, read that comment from from your, uh, your neighbor. Your neighbor there. He says, uh, when would it be too late to speak up as a Christian? And then he was telling us, Nick Sandman. Um, man, I don't know if I can speak with precision on this one. When would it be too late? Um, depends on what we're talking about, I guess, right? Like, do you, do you have any thoughts on this, Joel? Like, yeah, I do. When would it be too late? Well, it'd be too late. We're, we're called to, to stop people from... Uh, stumbling into the slaughter right so mm-hmm. you didn't speak up and someone was stumbled into the slaughter uh someone you didn't you felt the lord telling you to share the gospel with somebody right, right. Or maybe it wasn't the lord maybe whatever it was you thought i've got this opportunity to share the gospel with this person mm-hmm. you know maybe i'll do it next week and they get hit by a bus right well now it's too late right you should have acted on that prompt mm-hmm. and you should have shared the gospel with them um I, I think I like to keep it to gospel stuff, to theological stuff. You know, it's a little bit trickier when it gets into the, the public sphere of Facebook. You know, someone left left this Facebook comment and I didn't address it. And yeah. now someone else read it. Is it does that mean it's too late because I let yeah. that stand uncorrected? Yeah. I don't think that's right. No, no, not not at all. Matter of fact, I am very rapidly moving in the exact opposite direction. So Elisa and I have talked about this because I've had a few really controversial posts recently. And a lot of the controversy just stemmed from people misunderstanding me. Maybe I wasn't precise enough. Well, it's almost as if Facebook's not the the best platform for that. Well, but that's exactly it. So 
what I'll what I'll do now is I will occasionally occasionally leave a comment on somebody else's post, but when I post things out there now, um, I will very very rarely respond to anybody's comments because oftentimes the comment, well, sometimes and I, I want to be charitable in this, but sometimes the comment doesn't even really warrant a response, and people can just see on the face of it like, yeah, that's 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 an undignified comment. It isn't even, it doesn't even need a response. Other times other people will, will respond, but it's like, you're, you're not for however beneficial Facebook can be. I've learned for me when it's non-beneficial and that's when I start getting into the, um, the morass of the comment section. It's like the YouTube comment section, like, blech, you know, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a different world, man. Yeah, it really, it really is. It really, really is like C.S. Lewis's depiction of hell. I mean, it really is like, it's that. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's that bad. It's pretty bad. I mean, go Just, back and read that, uh, uh, what's it called? The bus one? Oh, I, yeah. I, I don't know, dude. It's, it's bonkers. It's bonkers. It's that. Okay, so all that being said, um, Park, I thought of the exact same verse you did, Proverbs twenty four eleven. Rescue those who are being taken away to death hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. Okay, so yeah. I actually only brought that up because I thought, what what does Joel want to bring up? No joke. I knew you were going to bring that one up. Well, that's very good. Yeah, See, I, I've been precise enough in the past where you knew yeah. and such and such. Uh, okay, that's about, that's about it for me. You got anything else? No, uh, just go ahead and visit my blog at uh, parkersetacase.com. Mm -hmm. You can find uh, my podcast called Parker's Pensies. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Keep, keep giving your plug. <laughs> <laughs> keep giving keep giving your plug. Yeah, we really, really want to hear it. And okay, sorry, go ahead. It could have been really funny, but you announced it beforehand. I know. I so know. uh yeah, you can find my podcast. Uh just had a great one with Jerry Root, uh professor of evangelism at Wheaton College, talk all things C.S. Lewis. Yes. And uh this coming week I have our father coming on. Talk about science fiction. Who are in? Oh, uh, who are <laughs> in always, Chicago? Always with me, but yes, Amen. Um, very good, man. That's uh, I can't believe you got Dad on the podcast on your podcast before he either A came on ours or B came on mine. But uh, I guess I guess for like me, I'm just so much closer to him. Anyway, that's, that's I don't need to get him on the, the podcast. No, that's not true. You are becoming him. That's very different. <laughs> it's true. I just, I'm worried. I'm worried that we're, people are going to watch us fuse together. Live. <laughs> it's terrifying. You, so it's it's going to be like so, someone's going to put forward an idea or like you're going to take a comment and someone, one of the two of you is going to go, no. No. You know no, what? I'm no. not good with that. That's wrong. I said my piece. I'm done. <laughs> and 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 people are going to be looking real hard to try to figure out which yeah. one said it, and uh, and there will actually be no correct answer. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's exciting, man. Yeah, check out all Parker's stuff. Go to Parker's Pensies. No, no, no. Parkersetacase.com. Uh, connect with the Think Institute by going to thethink.institute. Get all of the back catalog of Thunder Thursday Sons of Thunder episodes by putting in thethink.institute slash podcast. You can get all the great stuff there. Again, uh, connect with us at the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference in Nashville, Tennessee on September 1st through the 3rd, or the Cruciform conference on September 23rd and 24th in Indianapolis. And um, I'll look forward to seeing you guys there. Park, um, 
anything else you wanted to uh, add precisely? No, no, I gotta go though. There's a bunch of the kids playing outside of my stuff. I'm gonna go be the old man and yell at the kids. Oh, good. Tell them to get off your lawn. That's right. Okay, until next time, I hope it outdated your laptop. <laughs> that was a good one. Let's end with that. <laughs>